Yes, yes, we are back again for another episode. I'm Yancey Wilkinson, and you're listening to The Open Road. Ladies and gentlemen, I am in the presence of greatness today. I have a beautiful woman here with me. She is, ah, man, so many different things. She's a superwoman. She's a mom. She's passionate. She's PR. She's marketing. She's fashion. She's beautiful she's blackness she's powerful and we're gonna have a great conversation today so thanks for being here thank you introduce yourself to the people i need you to write up all that what you just said i don't I'll be know happy. if i can live up to all of I'll that i'll be happy to i'll be happy to <laughs> um introduce myself okay so i'm alex deloach davis is my name um what do i do i do a little bit of everything i, I always think of myself as like uh creative professional I don't Mm. create anything I just have lots of ideas about how things ought to be and try Mm -hmm. to impose my will on people Mm -hmm. Um, but professionally what I do is I am a account director for Jack Morton Worldwide which is an experiential marketing agency experiential marketing experiential marketing which I think is the future I'm gonna tell you more about that later sure okay Um, but I'm really really excited it's been kind of a strange way that I wound up in experiential marketing but basically what I do is I come up with um, event ideas or find ways for my clients to actually show up in real space in real time and get in touch with their customers through events and sponsorships and that sort of thing bringing the brand to life so you enjoy it I love it okay I love it yeah it's it's a huge challenge right because um, people don't watch commercials anymore you know billboards Mm -hmm. like people are hip to what marketing is trying to do Mm -hmm. and they are resisting the influence Mm -hmm. and so how do you stay top of mind Mm -hmm. how do you stay in front of people and Mm -hmm. you know if somebody so my client is an automotive client and so if someone is you know making a decision about a car purchase how do we make sure that we're in that consideration set? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, if they haven't, if they've rejected our commercials, if they've rejected the YouTube ads, mm-hmm. um, hopefully we've shown up in real life for them someplace. They've been to an event where they've come in contact with the brand and they say, oh, I remember gotcha. this brand. Gotcha. I want to try it. So, gotcha. yeah. And they're so, we're so bombarded by so many different messages from oh so gosh. many different brands trying to tell their stories. And it's just like, convoluted and so how do you you know how do you move through that and differentiate yourself and make your make your your brand stand out amongst all the the chaos that's like I mean (laughs) that's part of what we do too in brand you know yeah I mean it's hard it's like everything's about real life Mm -hmm. right now like so I'm completely addicted to Instagram and every morning I tell myself, <sighs> I gotta admit it, I am too. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I take put breaks, the though. phone down, eat some food, you know, like, but it's so addictive. Images, images. It's constant images, images. and yeah. it's real, it's reality TV. It's mm-hmm. everybody's little reality TV, mm-hmm. and it occurred to me a week ago that Instagram is my channel, you know, it's my mm-hmm. channel. I have photos. And now I have video, mm-hmm. and now there's ITV, which I don't know if we really know what that is yet, but it's getting to the idea that yeah. 
um, my handle is my channel. That's where mm. you can watch me live. Mm -hmm. And depending on how much I want to show you, mm -hmm. like it's reality. So I'm watching mm -hmm. these people live out their lives that I find completely fascinating. Mm -hmm. And so now I feel like I know them mm -hmm. and I believe them. I believe the brands that they are sharing because everything is so authentic, mm -hmm. you know, for the most mm -hmm. part. I mean, I'm sure, you know, celebrities are still very carefully crafting yeah. their yeah. Instagram pages. Yeah. But for the people who are not uh, celebrities, mm -hmm. um, you're getting an authentic picture of somebody. So if that person who I believe and whose lifestyle I have learned to appreciate yeah. uh, is into a particular brand, I'm going to find the brand. I'm absolutely mm -hmm. clicking the button mm -hmm. and going to look at that brand and saying, oh my God, what is what mm -hmm. are they about? What do they mm -hmm. sell? What is it? So I, I do it all the time. That is how I find new information about new products is Instagram. Really? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. interesting. That's yeah. interesting. And I, I mean, I, I feel like some people, they almost have their, their online, their Instagram, their digital social media personality mm -hmm. and then the real person it, it's almost it's night and day sometimes yeah. like some people just craft that story and, and make those visuals seem mm -hmm. very appealing about their life and what they're going through and then sometimes when you meet them in person it's like they totally don't match up to that but some people it's like completely aligned it's like yeah. that's who he is yeah that's who she is that's what they do on a daily basis and they really highlight the stuff that's important to them mm -hmm. some people it's like they're only going to show you the good moments. They're not going to show you, you yeah. know, what's really going on in their life. You know, what I they're think, going through. I think it's a reflection of how people are in real life. Mm -hmm. Right? So you meet people in real life, in your work life, and, you know, it's like you can tell people who are, who have crafted their office personality, mm -hmm. the person they're going to be on the job, and you can tell the people who are just being themselves. Yep. And and so people do the same thing on social media and it depends on your comfort level with who you are. I find that for me, like the more I'm getting into the idea of a personal brand, which I rejected completely, and it was a completely vain idea to say that I, Alex, have a personal brand. I'm my brand. Like that seemed very vain, but I mean it is what it is. A friend of mine said to me and he was right, he said, You have a personal brand, whether you control it or not. Right. So it's whether, a perception. It's a perception. People have a perception about you. When Absolutely. They see that. When they see your Instagram, they see your website, whatever mm -hmm. you're on, your LinkedIn. They 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 have this this thing in their mind where it's like, okay, I have I I basically can tell you what your values are. Mm -hmm. I can tell you what you know. what I'm saying like what brands connect you connect with to your point yeah like they have all these things about you this information that you yeah. haven't really told them but you they've seen it through visuals and they Absolutely. have that this assumption that they can form yeah based on that and they do it in real life too right people see mm -hmm. you they see you a couple of times they make all these decisions they make a decision a first impression decision mm -hmm. right we you know we all know about that and you make a first you see a person you make a judgment about who they are based on how they look first impressions and then as you get to know someone, you continue to, you know, tell, form a story about mm -hmm. who they are. So, you know, whether it's online, whether it's real life, mm -hmm. we are presenting ourselves. Right, exactly. And so some of us are just more conscious of it than others. Right, right, right. And some of us are more comfortable mm -hmm. with an authentic presentation than others. I have found for myself that the more I get into Instagram, the more I'm thinking about, like, who am I really? You know, like what what is what is important to me? What yeah. do I want people to right. know about me, really? So you know? what? Okay, so mm -hmm. so great segue. Okay. So who are you? Who is Alex Deloach Davis? Mm -hmm. You you from the DMV area, right? I'm from, from Baltimore, Baltimore, which okay. is different. 
Okay. I always make that very clear distinction. <laughs> it's not DMV. It's it different. is not DMV. No. Yeah. So so the the DMV is like it's DC, Maryland, Virginia, right. but but Baltimore is just different. That's the best way I can describe just it. Just different. It, is that a tagline? That's a tagline. It's just different. Just different. It should be. Mm-hmm. It should be if somebody's listening and they take it, then I'm gonna claim it. <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah, Baltimore's different. But so how was how was growing up in Baltimore? Were you born mm-hmm. and raised there? I was born and raised in Baltimore. My whole family is still there. Whole family is still there. Whole family wow. still there. Yeah. Um, few They're people spring another. No, no, Baltimoreans don't. I'm always excited. Wow, I never heard that term before. Baltimoreans. Yeah, wow. that's what, that's what we're called. And I always get really excited when I meet somebody from Baltimore because I have this impression in my mind that Baltimoreans really don't leave. Mm. Like you're from Baltimore, and that's that's that. Um, but but yeah, my whole family's there. I grew up in Baltimore County, okay. which if you're from Baltimore or if you've watched The Wire, you know that Baltimore City and Baltimore County are different. Also, um, but I grew up in Baltimore County, and I went to school in Baltimore City. Okay. So I went to Catholic school for high for really most of my schooling. I had like a little patch in there where I went to um to the local public middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I went back to Catholic school for um, for high school mm. and graduated from an all-girls Catholic school. Wow. We had nuns and everything. Wow. Real deal. Yeah. Wow. I would never <laughs> yeah. guess that. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, what was Catholic school like? Um, it's not did you like feel what like people you were, think it is. Did I feel like not, I was, like, was going to say, did you feel like you were missing out on something when you were there and mm-hmm. you weren't in public school like everyone else that was... No, no. And it's also, I mean, it's Baltimore. Like, was there, I mean, I'm sure they were, you were getting shielded from a lot of No, it was like my school was right here. The projects were across the street. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because we would catch public transportation to school Mm because I lived in the county. Mm -hmm. And so there was a bus, but I can't remember the deal with the bus. I think you had to pay extra if you wanted the bus, you know, to ride the bus, like a lot of private schools. And so a lot of us um, would get public transportation. So I would get the subway from from Baltimore County to the city and we would stop at Lexington Market which is like or it was like a big market in Baltimore and we would stop there we would go in the market for breakfast if we got on the train early enough and then we would um catch the bus mm-hmm. from the train station to school and do that you know same thing coming home and no I never felt like I was missing out on anything I mean I was I was in the city every day right, I feel right. like um the only thing that was awkward was prom because there weren't any boys at our school. <laughs> y'all, so, had, y'all actually had a prom? We had a Catholic prom. School? Yeah, yeah, we had a junior so prom, you, a senior prom. Were you able to bring a date? You could. That? You People could. I didn't. <laughs> I could not get a date for the prom. And so, let's you see. You could not get a date. I couldn't get a date I don't for the prom. That. I couldn't get a date for So, I don't know where people found dates. Like, um, some people were involved in, like, a lot of activities outside of school, I guess, and they met boys. Mm. Um... I don't know. My 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 junior prom, I went with my best friend. And, you know, we just kind of showed up to the prom together. And then my senior prom, I went with a guy who was my best friend. And so by senior year, I was modeling at the time. Okay. So the guy who I went with was one of the models in, like, my modeling club. And gotcha. so we went. as We were friends, though. Gotcha. So we went there and, like, took a bunch of modeling pictures mm-hmm. all, over the, all over the prom hall. But So how did you get started in modeling? So my mother put me in modeling because she mm. thought I was tall, which I guess at the time I was tall. I don't feel and tall And this was now. you were in high school at this point. I was or? in high school, okay. and she felt like she didn't want me to slouch, 
That was her whole thing. She wanted your posture to she be. She wanted my posture to be good. They didn't teach you that in Catholic school. They didn't teach us that in Catholic mm. school. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that strict of a school. The, what I loved about Catholic school was that it wasn't indoctrination. It was exploration of religion. So mm. I felt like in the in our classes we were allowed and encouraged to ask questions about what we were being taught. And okay. I think that's so important because I think, I believe a person develops their spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's all informed by, you know, your actual experiences and or your spiritual relationship grows over time. I think it certainly grows deeper after you've been through some things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one thing, that's the one thing I appreciate most about Catholic school, about the school that I went to, was that I was able to think about my religion and my spirituality versus mm. having to just commit to an idea, yeah. you know. So, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So the modeling thing, did you enjoy it when you modeled? Loved it. Got you into it? Oh. Loved it. Yeah. So I was shy, um, and I'm, I've always been shy, right? So the cool thing about modeling is you don't have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> There's no talking. You just, just have to look fierce. fierce. You just have to. So, uh, so funny enough, now that I'm thinking about it, before modeling, I was, I was in acting. So, if, okay, what? so my, my mother's okay. whole, I never told you this, okay. No, I never knew this. So my mother's whole thing was to keep us busy and keep us in stuff. And if we came up with an idea, I want to try this, she was down for it. And she was going to find a program and she was going to mm. put us in it. So how many siblings did you have? I have two. Two. two an older sister and a younger brother. Okay. And my sister's much older. She's 12 years older than me. Wow. So by the time I was coming up, she was like out doing her thing. She was living her life. And so it was really mostly me and my brother coming up. And uh, so when I was in middle school, um, I had a teacher who was like really hands-on. She was an English teacher. Mm -hmm. And I had always been a big writer. Like from the time I could remember being able to write. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just all I would do. Read always carried a book mm-hmm. and then started writing little stories mm-hmm. or whatever and if you ask my mother now she thinks I've wasted my life by not becoming a writer but she didn't understand so anyway <laughs> writing was my thing and then in middle school I had this English teacher who was just like really um she was just really into teaching you know you have mm-hmm. those teachers who are just like love what they do and she started a theater program at the school and because I was a good student in English, she and I had a relationship, and my mother was on PTA, and my mother, you know, so because she was this really active teacher, and my mother was a really active mom, mm-hmm. and I was this, you know, great English student, um, she took a liking to me, and uh, when she started the theater program in middle school, I joined it. And so I really loved that, you know. Mm-hmm. As shy as I was, like, um, there was something about getting on stage mm-hmm. and becoming a character and all. So I was doing that in middle school and then I switched to a different, and I did it in the summertime too. My mother, um, Arena Players was uh, a historic playhouse in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So I would go there in the summers and do their summer camp. And uh, then in high school, I went to high school and she got on this thing about me not slouching and put me in modeling. And so I was about 15 then. So maybe it was like my sophomore year. I don't know what I was doing in ninth grade. Nothing, I guess. And then, um, yeah, I just really got into the modeling thing. I just, I really got into fashion, had always been interested in fashion. My dad was always interested in fashion. Mm -hmm. So people think my fashion interest in style and fashion and all that comes from my mother. And it doesn't. It comes from my dad. Oh, my God. That's interesting. Yeah. 
My wow. dad, my dad had a had an SUV, and I remember one day he opens up the trunk mm-hmm. and had like piles of fabric. So he taught me everything. He taught me how to iron pants for the pleats. He taught me about why lining is important, mm. the different fabrics, different mm-hmm. you know levels of wool, different weights of wool, mm-hmm. and summer wools mm-hmm. and winter wools and color combinations mm-hmm. and you know pulling out this is something that he really liked to do like you know looking at a pattern and pulling out the most remote color and mm-hmm. kind of working with that so if mm-hmm. it's blue with shades of red we're yeah, going to work with yeah, the red yeah. and not the blue so yeah yeah that oh, was wow. his thing yeah wow so he was he did he used to sew and stuff he made did he make clothes no, or no. he just he was a big guy mm-hmm. he was tall and he was big and he was built like a football player though he never played ball um and so it was hard for him to find pants because he had thick thighs mm. and so standard pants never fit him they were always too big in the waist and or you know too tight in the thighs so he would always get his pants made so mm. he always had a tailor that would make his pants mm. and um then he started you know going and picking out the fabric and that was his thing I mean he's always been I saw pictures of him from the 70s he's always been in the fashion yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but I don't I don't know if they called it that then right. you know like people being into fashion or right but, right well I mean maybe they did because it's funny because my my fashion whatever sense or whatever mm-hmm. came from i think it came from my mother and father but my mm-hmm. mother was actually she went to fashion high school mm, and wow. then she went to fit for maybe i think like a semester or oh, something and then she had out. me mm-hmm. and so she kind of gave up on her really you know dreams of being a fashion designer she mm-hmm. always thought she wasn't creative enough to, to do mm-hmm. that um but she she's the one who taught me how to really? sew okay. um I used to do a lot of fashion illustration. I don't know if you remember, mm-hmm. um, but I kind of got that from her. And then my father actually went to a music high school, so wow. it was like fashion, music. It was just always wow, so sort of in like my blood. Creative, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but that's interesting that the fashion thing came from your dad and yeah. not your mom. Yeah, no, because <laughs> you would, most people wouldn't think that. Yeah, no, my mom. She told me one time. She's like, I don't know how you and your dad can do that. You guys can just like. <laughs> look at something yeah. and see something and I'm like well, I don't know I mean yeah. he you know he showed me something yeah but my father was always he was always into um them dressing alike <laughs> really yeah. do you have pictures so my mom would make my mom would basically make them outfits I like love she, that like he, she, he would be like okay I like this whatever this color right. is what we want to wear and she would make herself an outfit and she would make him an outfit what <laughs> and they would wear it together I love he was it. into the matching yeah, yeah. he but, was like Kanye He's I like guess. Kanye then. He's like, yeah, babe, this is what this is the vibe we're going <laughs> yeah. for tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, his I love was it. more literal though. Like yeah. it was almost. It's like really. So, but anyway, <laughs> off that, off yeah. that. So fashion. So mm-hmm. fashion has become a big thing that that. I mean, yeah. to me, whenever I look at you, it, it, you just have style. It's just the Thank way you, you carry yourself. It's not even the. I mean, it's the way you dress, but. You could have on a t-shirt and jeans mm-hmm. and still look better than everybody in here with well, suits on. You. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, there's an aura, there's a vibe, mm-hmm. there's the way that you carry yourself, the way that you uh, present yourself, the message that you're portraying mm-hmm. as you're walking through the room and that yeah. commands attention. Yeah. I mean, without speaking, like mm-hmm. you're saying, you're shy, you don't want to talk. I mean, there's there's something about you that um, is very confident and very powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, where did that come from? Did that, did, I mean, did modeling and acting, that's, did that help you as a child yeah. growing up to gain that? Because, I mean, you said you were shy mm-hmm. starting out. Oh, I think it's two things. I think for sure the modeling, right? And mm-hmm. I'll tell you about that in a second. But the first thing 
I think was I think part of it's being a city kid, you know, like mm-hmm. having to, you know, catch the bus every day, go through the city. And basically when I got out of school, my mother didn't get home till six. She she we've never talked about this, but she didn't get home till <laughs> six o'clock, right? So she worked an hour she worked in DC. Mm-hmm. Almost like Silver Spring, DC. Mm-hmm. And uh so, by the, from the time I got out of school until she got home, I mean, there were no cell phones. Mm-hmm. So, as long as I was there mm-hmm. when she got there, what I'm saying is, right. as long as I was there when she got there, I could do whatever I wanted. Right, right. And I had a bus pass. So, I think part of, like, the confidence is, like, moving around the city and being on a train and my friend saying, hey, you know, we're going to go get breakfast before mm-hmm. school. And, like, you make all those decisions mm-hmm. all the time about you know, as a as a teenager, as a mm-hmm. 14, 15-year-old kid about mm-hmm. what you're going to do, who you're going to talk to, who you're not going to talk to. You have to make quick decisions, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you're in public and you see people and people are, you know, and they're coming towards you and you mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. make judgments, right? And so, so I think part of it is that, you know, that level of con- confidence mm-hmm. that comes from mm-hmm. that, right? And then also having to be aware of yourself and not be a target mm-hmm. as much as you can in a Catholic school uniform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not yeah. not yeah, appear yeah, to be yeah. a target, right? Mm-hmm. So so there's I'm sure that. you were wearing that uniform like it was I loved like my you got uniform. it from <laughs> <laughs> like I loved it. Straight yeah. from Gucci. Listen, I love the <laughs> uniform. We were so into that uniform. Yeah. So so there's that, right? There's a city kid thing. There is um I went to an all girls high school. Mm-hmm. So I think that the fact that I wasn't in school with boys at the time when <clears throat> my self-esteem is developing also helped my confidence mm-hmm. because I went to middle school co-ed and mm-hmm. I remember that time period being so um, debilitating to your self-esteem. It's like, mm-hmm. which boys do the, which, which girls do the boys like and which ones don't they like and why? And then the girls start kind of like fighting for attention for the boys. Mm-hmm. And it starts in middle school. Mm-hmm. In high school, it gets serious. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any of that. You know, at that point, you're competing on like who has the best tennis shoes because that's the only way you can distinguish yourself mm-hmm. is by your shoe, mm-hmm. right? And so who has the best shoes? And and then you're limited because there are rules about what shoes you can even wear. Mm-hmm. And then who has the best grades, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're competing on things that support your self-esteem and support your confidence, mm-hmm. right? So I think going to an all-girls school was super helpful in terms of, like, confidence. Mm-hmm. But then the style thing was, of course, my dad. But um, when I was modeling, whenever I say it, I make it sound glamorous, but it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't glamorous. <laughs> Truth is, we were doing like. Uh, I was gonna say, what's the fashion scene like in Baltimore? In Baltimore, like, was you doing exactly. Runway shows? Exactly. Like, when it you... really, here's the yeah. truth, right? When it really comes Walking down, down to the it. alleyway, some hot <laughs> Church fashion shows. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm trying to think. There were there were some designers in Baltimore that would do shows, and so mm-hmm. we would do a show. Like it was a lot of nonprofit shows. That's what they were like a like a fundraiser show for a local mm-hmm. organization, mm-hmm. and they something elaborate now the women who were teaching me how to model you couldn't tell them they were in new york so mm. it was in fact <laughs> my modeling teacher went to fit mm. and we had class twice a week we had class on one day during the week in the evening and then on saturdays and we would spend like all saturday there mm-hmm. during the week she taught us the history of costume and she taught us what she learned at fit and we had worksheets 
we had to know what a bias was. We had to know what a peplum was. We had to know the history of the peplum. Wow, what, as a model. As a model. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we had to know about, you know, the fashion, the rationing of fabric during the war and how wow. that led into, you know. So she was basically teaching us what she learned at FIT. Wow. In the beginning of the week, because the idea was when you, you know, when you show up, you need to know if somebody asks you a question, if somebody says, go grab the jacket, go grab the peplum jacket with the pencil skirt. Like, mm-hmm. you need to know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to know how things fit. And, you know, so she was teaching us all that during wow. the week. And then on the weekend, she would teach us how to walk. And so I learned a lot technically about fashion there. And then she was also teaching us how to create a look. Mm-hmm. which is something that I just I just enjoy right and so I always think so like when you say when you see me it's like it's, you know mm-hmm. you get whatever impression you mm-hmm. get it's all very intentional and not in a not in a forced way where I'm at home like I'm gonna pull this one hair down and put it yeah. it's like hmm, what do I want to communicate exactly when I show up at this place I, I, I completely get you you know that's the part that I love too so that I'm I comfortable I love putting together the look yeah it's just like okay what's the vibe for today What am I going to be doing? Mm -hmm. Who am I going to be interacting with? What's the weather like? Like, there's a bunch of different factors that go into play. Mm -hmm. But I love, I mean, that's what I And it's a lot of subtleties. So we had to, so when I say it wasn't glamorous, I mean, we had to choose our own accessories. Mm. We had to do our own hair. (laughs) We had to do our own hair. We had to, and, and so that was important because if we were doing, you know, a casual look and then we were doing a formal look, we had to change our hair. So you have to know how to, like, you have to know how to create a look as a model because we didn't have stylists who were doing it yeah. as a model we had to know how to make the look mm. come across on the stage wow. ourselves in the in the back so wow. so it's it's so we learned all those little you know those little nuances that mm-hmm. just make a difference in you know what you're communicating so mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think about it mm-hmm. you know and it's fun for me so yeah that's mm-hmm. great that's awesome so you you you're a mother of two mm-hmm. women, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, and you definitely represent yourself well as an African American woman. Thank you. You have two African American daughters. Mm-hmm. How are they? What's their experience been, and how have you sort of helped them shape who they are going to mm-hmm. be in the, in the world? Are they are they kind of independent? Have you, um, you know, yeah. what what type of things have you instilled in them? Mm, okay, so so they are independent, mm-hmm. um, very. So I have a thirteen-year-old and an eight-year-old, yeah, and uh, they are very, very independent. So I encourage that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means stuff like they're they're very talkative. I you know it's it's funny you say I'm raising two women because I believe that children are just small people. They're not. Mm-hmm. Um, they're equally as aware of the world, oh, yeah. maybe more than yeah. we are. Yeah. And I'm, I try to encourage them to think mm-hmm. now, you know? I always feel like, so my parents gave me a lot of freedom. So, you know, there was the, you know, the transportation thing, right? So mm-hmm. I'm running around the city during the week. But then on the weekends, it was like, you're a good kid. You, you know, mm-hmm. you make good grades. We trust you. Here's the keys to the car as long as you... I don't, I don't, I didn't have a curfew, you know, wow. I kind of did what I wanted cause I did, I did what I was supposed to do. Right. Exactly, exactly. But what my parents always did was they explained to me right and wrong. Mm-hmm. 
so that I could make a decision on my own when I'm not there. So it wasn't about consequences. Mm -hmm. It was about values. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you want out of your life? Think about the choices that you're making always because it's going to impact you. Mm -hmm. So so I want that for my girls. I want to teach them how to think. I don't want to teach them how to be. I just want to teach them how to think about the things that they do mm-hmm. and the choices that they're mm-hmm. making. And so I talk to them a lot, you mm-hmm. know, so they're very verbose for their age. And people are always like, oh, they're so mature. And, you know, I'm like, we talk all the time, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't, it's funny Discipline takes a little longer, mm-hmm. and people are kind of like, why are you negotiating with an 8-year-old or a 9-year-old? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not negotiating with her. Mm-hmm. I'm really trying to understand what does she think. The thought she... process. So yeah. I understand what I need to teach her every right. moment. You know, um, and sometimes it's like, sometimes you don't have time for that. and just mm-hmm. like, stop it, don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, or get in the car or yeah, not, yeah. right? Yeah. But a lot of times, I spend a lot of time talking to them so that I can understand what they're thinking so I can help them to think things through. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so they're, they're very talkative. They're very confident girls. Um, they're, my oldest girl is very creative. She's a writer. Mm-hmm. She's an incredible writer and has always been as long as I can remember. Um, so I wonder I guess, where she gets that from. Right, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> so so once, I, once I noticed that she was, you know, had the bug for writing, I mm-hmm. would buy journals all the time for her. Mm-hmm. So, like, for my kids, like, I, I wouldn't really buy them toys. Not even, like, I don't really get into clothes with them. Like, for her, I was always buying books, mm-hmm. pens, because that's what I like. Mm-hmm. And when I write, I'm, I'm not a writer like her, but I'm really into the, the stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Is the, does the notebook have the right kind of paper? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So, I kind of put that on her. So, now she's this great writer. And uh, she's really into music, mm-hmm. which also comes from me, right? Because mm-hmm. I love music mm-hmm. and and so um she's really into music which is fun so she and i have that and then my younger one is um she's the assertive one like Mm. so so my older girl is more shy like me more reserved you know she's the observer she thinks and watches before she speaks Mm. the little one says whatever comes to her mind which is so much fun because (laughs) oh my gosh she'll say things and you're like and it's not it's not just what she says it's the tone and the, and all of it she's expression the oh, body language she got it all she got it all she's hilarious <laughs> and now she's at the age where she realizes she does it like she'll mm. say things and we like crack up that's when kids yeah, yeah that's when they really like, start to she's like oh i'm sorry i just said what came to my mind you know i don't even know where i got that from like yeah. so um so yeah so they're independent girls i mean i just encourage them to you know be who they are and yeah. express themselves and um yeah I'm, I've been on this thing lately with them where I want them to know that they can have whatever they want and so I don't mean that in the way like uh <clears throat> I'll buy them whatever they want I mean if there is something that they want to um create or experience they can do it mm-hmm. right now because they're kids I have to help them with that so for example um, you know, my oldest girl decided a little while ago she wanted to go to boarding school. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I don't know how <laughs> I'm going to do that, but but if that's what you want, it can happen. Here's here's the work that you have to do. Right. What? So what made her want to do that? Um, well, she has some Is encouragement you know? from one of her counselors really? who ha- who has some boarding school experience. Some of her teachers graduated from boarding school, so she has mm-hmm. some people around her who you know, have kind of encouraged her. And they and, probably saw something in her. That, absolutely. And wanted to cultivate that. Yep, yep. And then her thing is, she's really smart. Her birthday's late, so she's a little older than her peers. Mm-hmm. 
and she likes to learn and she feels like she's not getting she, because she's so good mm-hmm. at her age she doesn't get the attention that she wants and so mm-hmm. she doesn't get to experience you know mm-hmm. learning and exploring mm-hmm. things the way she wants to so she's and her 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 teachers and her the adults around her have told her that mm-hmm. at boarding school you can really get more of a hands-on experience mm-hmm. so she's like i want it yeah. so i'm like hey you want it let's do it yeah you know yeah. so but i want her to get in her mind that <clears throat> when she's older if i want something there is a path to it i just have to find the path mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so that's that's what i'm on with her right now cool yeah, cool. yeah. so they were they both born in atlanta both born in atlanta they're from, from atlanta they're from atlanta yeah yeah, which I didn't realize That's, until we were talking about football, and they were like and it, the Falcons, and I was like, "Why do y'all right. care about the Falcons?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, when we so I I'm from Brooklyn originally, but mm-hmm. I moved to Tampa when I was a kid. So I spent most of my life in Florida, but I was mm-hmm. always we always went back home all the mm-hmm. time, and most of my family was still in New York. But mm-hmm. in my house, it was always Giants and Knicks. That mm-hmm. was it. Like right. you couldn't be a fan of anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Even my sister, who was born in florida so they were like no yeah that's it yeah i know we got so much to talk about i'm yes. trying to i'm trying okay. to i'm trying to touch on stuff that i don't want to forget about okay. so scad we what what have you went to scad you just graduated like, yeah what, yeah what did you, I, have, what you I, have, I have like a project left to do to like officially get my diploma to hang so on the wall but so what did you 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 went to grad school there? i went what to you, grad school for what what did you study luxury and fashion management luxury and fashion management mm-hmm. okay luxury and fashion management and so it's not design at all it's like whenever i describe it i'm like it's like an mba but a focus on fashion and in the luxury industry gotcha. and so my objective for going was to just learn and study more about um really really my focus in my studies was around um the luxury consumer, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting because it's such a niche market. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the changes that are happening in retail and the way people buy things, and there's tons of research that says that uh, millennials and, and the, you know, the which is like a huge generation, uh, right? So yeah, we'll just throw everybody yeah. to the millennials. That the millennials value goods less and are more interested in experiences, mm-hmm. which means... How does Louis Vuitton? Well, how does Louis Vuitton sell purses to people who don't necessarily care about that? Mm-hmm. Does their customer change? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, of course, there's debate about whether or not Louis Vuitton is luxury. But mm-hmm. that aside, you know, how how do these brands continue to engage people who don't feel the need to demonstrate their status through mm-hmm. products? Mm-hmm. And where wearing a brand. Um, on a level, and in some cases, not across the board, but in some cases, wearing a brand is like passe. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one in where people are like, no, we're not about labels. We're about experiences. We're about quality. We're mm-hmm. about, you know, meaning. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other end of the spectrum that still is like all about the label mm-hmm. um, and all about the brand. Like, I like. I don't know. Every time I'm on Instagram and I see something else with Gucci on it, I'm like, what mm-hmm. is this? How long are they going to do this? Right, right. You know, and what does it mean? And, mm-hmm. you know, so that's what I wanted to study. I wanted to kind of get some um, thinking about that, get some understanding of that, because I think as retail continues to change, um, being able to reach the customer 
And I believe experience is going to be the way that it's done. But being able to reach the customer through experience. So that other end of the strata where they're saying we're not about labels. Mm -hmm. We're about experience. We're about meaning and all that kind of stuff. Being able to reach that customer is going to be um, critical. Mm -hmm. And people who know how to do it and help companies do it are going to be valuable. Mm -hmm. So I want that to be me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I want that to be me. I want to be able to help Cartier figure out how to entice you know girls to come in and yeah. you know it's it's interesting to see brands that started a long time ago and yeah. they're still as relevant as they were were when they started yeah like ralph Lauren, for example yeah. or ralph lauren however you pronounce it mm-hmm. i was listening to um he was he was on i think he was on oprah's podcast mm-hmm. and he was celebrating 50 years yeah, yeah. and he was talking about um he said something about he doesn't he's like i'm not into fashion you know, fa- he's like fashion changes. He mm-hmm. said, "I'm trying to design for the girl, for the woman that is this, the woman that is laid back, that she's doing this." And she's like, "That's my, that's my mm-hmm. wife, basically. Oh, wow. Like, I want to design for for her, and that's mm-hmm. what I, that's what I've always done." Mm-hmm. And he said, "I haven't, like, I haven't changed that." And it's yeah. like you've been in the game for 50 years, and still everybody know. I mean, you see polo stuff still yeah. everywhere, mm-hmm. even though it might not be as much as you see the Gucci, yeah. you know, logos and stuff, but still, it's like, you look on the rack at the stores, and it's like polo stuff, and it's mm-hmm. going off the rack. It's going yeah. off the rack. So, yeah. how do you stay relevant and, and still have that, you know, timelessness about it and everything, too? So Yeah. It's, it's, in, it's an interesting time, especially where fashion is concerned. I saw a headline today, and I haven't read it yet. Um, Robin Gavan wrote an article <clears throat> and she said um, fashion is trying way too hard. Yeah, it's like yeah. yeah. You know? I, yeah. I need to read it because I love her because she's very critical. Um, she, lo- she clearly loves fashion but is you know, comfortable critiquing it. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's, you know, it's like, like the Gucci thing. You know, it's like people are trying really hard to stand out in the crowd to, mm-hmm. to really break through the noise. Mm-hmm. And there's a point at which it's like, you know, um, what is a classic now? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, you know, Ralph Lauren is all about. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I grew up appreciating, right? Because of my modeling mm-hmm. instructor, mm-hmm. right? I love classics. I love polka dots and I love plaids and I yeah, love pearls exactly. and I love, you exactly. know, I love those things. Like I, I have things in my closet and people are like, oh, you know, um, that looks so great. It looks so stylish. Yeah. I'm like, I've had this thing since high school. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know? Thank you. Like my best yeah. friend, he's always like, "How do you stay relevant? Like mm-hmm. in terms of the style?" And I'm like, "Cause I buy stuff that doesn't go out of style. Exactly. It's just the way that you put it together. Mm-hmm. Like, fashion is what changes, right? It's yeah. just how you style the things. Like this shirt, a button-down white shirt, that's always gonna be in right. style. Chelsea boots that are suede, that's always gonna always be in, in style. style. Jeans that actually fit you are always gonna be in style. <laughs> right. Fedora hat, you know, classic stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all about how you put it together to sort of be relevant right. for what's going on in that particular time. Yeah. So yeah, we, need to do, we need to do it. We need to start our own company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, this is the, the beginning yeah. of it. So what was your experience at SCAD like? Did you oh, I mean did you great. do you feel like you're well equipped to for what you were yeah, to learn yeah. no, or? absolutely. I think I I realized the difference between grad school and undergrad. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't realize what the difference was going to be until I got there. And mm-hmm. I think grad school is you know in undergrad they give you assignments, you do them, you turn them in, you get your grade. Mm-hmm. In grad school, it's about what you want to study mm-hmm. and what kind of professional you want to be when you mm-hmm. come out. So um, for me, it was a, an excuse 
to dig deep on these questions that I have, mm-hmm. you know, about, you know, who is, what are consumers doing now? What is, what is luxury mm-hmm. really? What is it now? Um, how is it changing? Who are the players? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as a, as a professional in consumer goods and specifically in luxury, um, you know, how do I think about connecting with the consumer and breaking mm-hmm. through the noise and, mm-hmm. Um, for for what I what I walked away with was that it's experiential, mm-hmm. which then you know a year into the program I get a job at at an experiential agency, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so but but what I walked away from was what walked away <clears throat> from that program with was that um, creating experiences that are authentic, right and creating brands that are authentic and, and by authentic I mean um, do people really believe the story that you're telling about the brand mm-hmm. it, it does it, does this brand really represent me as a person mm-hmm. and my lifestyle and what I want to be communicating mm-hmm. and then how do I learn about it how do I learn that mm-hmm. you know what what narrative is the brand telling about who they are mm-hmm. so um i was gonna try to think of an example <laughs> <laughs> i feel like the one example i think of always that you know i probably shouldn't go deeply into it but um cadillac is top of mind right now right so yeah. one that i'm working on and it is a classic american luxury brand right like ralph lauren right Right or like Billy Reed, which I which Billy Reed, um, oh yeah, I like Billy Reed. You know, so classic American classic. luxury, right? It's funny because when you, when I was listening to that podcast, mm-hmm. he said, "Oh, people say I'm American style." He's like, "I'm not American." He's like, "This is just mm-hmm. who I am." And the woman who I'm designing mm-hmm. for, like, he never he never considered it being mm. American style. That's America classified it as American style. Yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah. he was the one who shaped that. Well, one of the players who shaped that. I, I wonder. I wonder mm. if he shaped it or if he copied it. Like if he if mm. he packaged it. Maybe yeah. Yeah. It's funny too because he said, he said, you know, he started out making neckties. Mm-hmm. That's what in he started out in. Yeah, in Bloomingdale's. Bloomingdale's the first store to carry. And so he said he was always kind of enamored with this sort of idea of wealth, mm-hmm. um, and then he took the name Polo. And mm-hmm. sort of started that. He said he had never been to a polo match wow. or anything. Never even played polo. And he mm-hmm. said, but just something about polo sort of resonated with him. And he sort yeah. of used that as the mark, as kind of the symbol to to represent mm. what he was doing. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because yeah. you look at it now and you and it's it has like this. It feels luxury. It does. Which I wanted to ask you too. What's your definition of luxury? Like, how would you define like what does luxury mean in terms of yeah. A brand. Yeah, I think luxury means um, a product that communicates a very specific lifestyle that is associated with ease. I, I, I think that kind ease of... Ease of living? Ease of living, right? Because the thing about luxury is that you don't need it. Mm-hmm. And you also, at the point that you're buying real luxury, you're beyond really trying to communicate about who you are. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah. so it's like, okay, so it's the reason why Gucci may not be luxury anymore. Mm. Because it's... So it has nothing to do with... Does it have anything to do with the price point? I don't think it. I don't think it's a requirement. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I think it's just by default that at the point where you're just choosing the, it, it's about you know having the finest or the best mm-hmm. craftsmanship, right? There's there's um, an an intrinsic value in the product because of how it was processed or how it was made, and mm-hmm. that costs money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think kind of by default. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be expensive, mm-hmm. but I think that also goes with the e with this idea of ease, right? So at the point where you don't have to worry about money anymore, you are who you are. Mm-hmm. I don't have to wear this to tell you who I am, right? Mm-hmm. You probably know, mm-hmm. right? Or right. like you know, maybe exactly. you should, right? Right? And so I, I I now as as it's telling the story about the consumer where I now have the the ease and the luxury, the comfort to spend time learning about my watch and about the mechanics mm. of it and mm. y- because that's a luxury like to even spend yeah. the time to learn about it like yeah. it, when you're talking about just utility yeah i need a watch i need it to work i yeah. need to know how it works yeah. and here's my budget yeah. right so that's function that's utility mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter but at the point that i'm going to buy you know the finest watch I'm going to take the time to learn about it. Right. You know, for some people, for sure, it's just about price. And, there, you know, there's some people, like, for sure, it's right. still about just, you know, showing. Status. And yeah. status. But even art, you know, um, when I was working at the gallery. Which gallery did you used to work at? At Low Gallery. Low, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even then, like, people who were serious collectors, certainly buying above a certain price point, mm-hmm. spent time learning about the thing that they were going to buy before they bought it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to spend time learning about something understanding why you're spending ninety thousand dollars or a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars so i think i think that's what luxury is about it's it's about you know the appreciation of um the art of whatever the object is Mm -hmm. you know even fashion like some of the stuff that i get the most excited about is when i look at it and i'm just like how did they how did they put that together? What was mm-hmm. the thought? Like the layers mm-hmm. of things, which is I think why Robin Gavin is saying fashion is trying too hard because mm-hmm. it's 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 overworked and overwrought for no reason. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about the craftsmanship to create something that's beautiful or something that's fun or interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just about looking like yeah. it was worked on. Right. You know, exactly. there was um, this dress Joan Smalls was wearing for the Harper's Bazaar party. Mm-hmm. It's an Iris Van Erpen dress. Mm-hmm. It was the most amazing. I kept looking at the picture and think, this is the most amazing <laughs> yeah. thing I've ever seen. The way that the lines were laid out on her body yeah. and then the way like the lines turned into a dress. It was very simple. It was a, it was a very simple silhouette. Mm-hmm. But just the way, like the way the colors kind of... Mm-hmm. You could tell it was it was special, yeah. and I think that's luxury when you, you know, you pay for for the artistry of the person right. who's creating the thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Great mm-hmm. answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard I question. Ex- I wouldn't expect anything less, but that was yeah. That was yeah, perfect. that's a hard question because you know, luxury is kind of ubiquitous yeah. now. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Depending on how you define what it is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's I think that's what it is. I think it's art. I think it's artistry. I think it's yeah. um it's creativity. It's it's you know, art is communicating a message. Mm-hmm. Right. And does the message come through without having to say message? Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Message here. Message here, the yeah. The yeah. text. What I love I? I love the text art. You right, know? right. Um I love text art and I love text on clothes, but mm-hmm. there's also the part where the off white, the Virgil I love it. It's 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 zeitgeist. It's, cool. it's of the moment. Yeah, it's cool. But it's of the moment. It's of it's the fashion. moment. It's fashion. It's fashion. It's going to change. Mm-hmm. Soon it's not going to be. It's going to be something else. It's going to be something else. But when you can, when you see something and it makes you feel something, mm-hmm. that to me is like, is luxury. I mean, that's what you do. You're, you're around objects. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, creating objects all the time when you see it and you go, it makes you want to think about it. I mm-hmm. think that's, that's luxury. What was the, or I guess one of the biggest mistakes that you made mm-hmm. that has had a huge impact on you mm-hmm. sort of overcoming that and becoming mm-hmm. the person that you wanted to be um the biggest mistake that i have ever made was being afraid to do something that i really wanted to do my 20s was all about fear mm-hmm. all about fear every every there were things i wanted to do in my 20s that you know now we have instagram so we have all this uh, messaging mm-hmm. about following your heart, you know, going for your goals and, you know, believing in your passions. And that that didn't exist mm-hmm. in 2000, which doesn't mm-hmm. seem like that. But in like 99, 2000, that message wasn't out there. Mm-hmm. And certainly not yeah. for me, you know, right. my, my upbringing and my understanding was get a job, make money and, you know, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of like following my passion was frightening. And the idea of, you know, how am I going to take care of myself? Mm-hmm. And what happens if I'm wrong? And what happens if I fail? And especially mm-hmm. for, you know, also for somebody, for me, you know, I was always about doing the right thing, mm-hmm. right? Because you get rewarded, you do the right thing. I do the right thing, I can have the keys to the car. I don't yep. have a curfew, right? Yep. So, so I was certainly conditioned to that. And, um, you know, when I was in my 20s, I wanted to do something creative. I didn't know what it was. I knew for sure I wanted to be in New York. L.A. was kind mm. of like a secondary idea. It was like L.A. was like a constellation to be mm. in New York. But I wanted to be in New York so bad, and I was so afraid. About a year after I graduated college and a year into this boring finance job, I just quit. I just couldn't take it. I quit. Mm. And I wanted to go to New York and wanted to go to L.A. and try out both places and just scared the shit out of me. I was just like, I... What if I come to New York? You know what I kept thinking? I kept thinking it was going to be like like a movie. You know, like the girl, she goes to New York. <laughs> and you and played it all out in your head. It, was, that's what fear is about. That's what yeah, fear is? You, just, it's, you play the whole story. You create story. imaginary images in your head. Oh, my god! That don't exist. You yeah. just make it up and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And that stifles you. Yeah. But how did that... So you coming from catholic school this girl being independent mm-hmm. was on transit was running around the city doing stuff mm-hmm. what did you how did you become fearful in your 20s if you had all this um, like what what's i mean what sparked that it was the idea that in your 20s you are now responsible for the rest of your life yeah. do you know what i mean like it's it's one thing to like it's one thing to be independent, feel like, you know, I have control of my everyday, like I have control of my surroundings mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm going, I can take care of myself. It's another thing to, to graduate college and feel like I have to have figured out the rest of my life 
-hmm. who I'm going to be, how I'm going to make money, how I'm going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And that was what was overwhelming. I didn't Mm -hmm. know what that was supposed to be. Hmm. And I, I, well, I knew I was afraid of what I thought, which was, um, it was unproven. I didn't, I didn't know any designers. I didn't know any people in creative industries. Um, you know, when I told my parents I wanted to go into fashion to them, that meant working in retail and they, they knew people who worked in retail and they were like, like, you're not doing doing that. that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That is not a career that we're not sending you to college to go work in retail. So nothing's anything's wrong with working in retail because right. I, I got there too, right? Right, right? And did that, but um, but yeah, they just felt like you know they had invested in me to be something bigger than what it sounded like I was proposing, and I, I didn't see. I didn't have any alternative to tell them. I, I just knew that I loved this particular industry. This w- is what excited me, and I wanted to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you um. You just celebrated a big birthday. I did. I'm an old lady now. <laughs> big four, the big four zero. <laughs> yeah. So what? What does that feel like? Mm. I mean, you gotta feel, you gotta feel good about who you are, what you've accomplished, mm-hmm. the path that you're on, being hungry always. Mm-hmm. Like you gotta be in a good space. I mean, yeah. Are you? I am. Yes. I'm in a great space. I feel like I have earned something. Mm-hmm. I think that's what 40 feels like. Mm-hmm. It feels like I have earned some things. I have um, made some mistakes. I have messed up royally on some things. And I have come out on the other side. And I've made some decisions about you know things that I've wanted and worked towards those things and seen those things pan out. And so there's another level of confidence. I feel like I've... I've gotten, you know, looking back on my life at 40 and like, wow, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I don't have to ask 20 friends what they think about something I'm going to do. You know, I write it down and then I start making a plan and Mm -hmm. then I pull in the friends that are going to help me do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, hey, everybody, you know, what do you think about this? I'm thinking about doing this. It's like, no, I'm going to do this. Who's interested? Mm hmm. Right. You know, and uh, so, yeah, so that's what 40 feels like. 40 feels like I feel like this is about to be the most productive time of my life because of confidence, because I don't I'm not nervous. Do I know enough? Do I know the right people? Am I qualified? I don't know. Right. You know, but I know how to think very, very well. Yeah. So you put me in a room and you give me some stuff. <clears throat> you give me a challenge, mm-hmm. I know I can I can come out on top. So that's what forty is. Forty yeah. is like I can do whatever I want. Yeah. 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 Ooh, that so, uh Jay Z and Beyonce song? Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> I can do that's anything. You? That's that's yeah, that's my song for forty. So I'm gonna leave you with this one last okay. I guess two part question. So okay. how did you get to Atlanta mm-hmm. and why are you still here? you've been here for a long time yeah the answer the same answer to both questions right so i met a guy whenever i meet people i always meet people i'm like oh you know what are you doing in atlanta and they're like oh my boyfriend's here and so i'm here i'm like yeah everybody you know is you meet a guy and i met a guy and uh and honestly at that time in like 2000 2001 everybody was coming to atlanta Mm-hmm. Yeah. Atlanta was hot still, even though like I think Atlanta. like ninety six ninety nine was like the that core. Was the, right? Oh yeah, that was the that was the pinnacle. Yeah, I feel like. yeah. that's what initially that's why I fell in love with Atlanta. Mm-hmm. That was before I lived here, but yeah, I would come visit and I'm like, yo, that 
there's something going on there. That's when it was popping. So mm-hmm. I got I got here like on the tail end, but enough to you know like when I was in my senior year in college, we used to come down all the time and hang out. Mm-hmm. It felt like the safest, most sensible decision that a responsible young person would make, mm-hmm. versus like going off to New York mm-hmm. and or going out to LA. Atlanta seemed like a sensible decision. And uh, and he's he's a great guy, and so I came here, and we got married, and started fa- started a family, and um, so we're not married anymore. So then we divorced. So now we have two girls. He's here, and so I'm still here because of him. Yeah, because my girls, Cause your girls, because of my girls, and so they can stay close to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great dad. Is that the only reason why you? That's the only reason why I'm in Atlanta. What would you be? New York. Yeah. New NYC. York. Here we go. You know my my um oldest girl. The oldest one is what thirteen. She's thirteen. 13. Okay. She's on her way to high school. My youngest girl is in the third grade, so she's eight. So in ten more years, she'll be going to college, and then I'm out. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Then you'll be fifty. I'll be. And that'll be. I'll be like. Yeah, I'll be fifty. You'll be fifty, be but 50. that's I heard fifty is. I'm not anywhere near that right now. Yeah. That's I, another. That's another experience. Milestone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow. so but so so right now these next ten years is about setting up life. Well, here's the thing, New York setting up life, setting up life for fifty, right? Setting up life for what mm-hmm. it's gonna be like mm-hmm. when I can literally do anything I want. My plan is to be able to like in the next ten years to be able to live in the world, you know, and uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Live in the world, mm-hmm. prepare for life. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Alex. This has been. Amazing. Thank I know you. we could we could probably talk for another hour or two, but yeah. thank you so much for being on here. You're welcome. And best best of luck to you. I enjoyed it. This was this was great. Was it good? Do you have enough material? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got more than enough. Okay. Do some good. editing. Good. So thank you so much. You're welcome. So I'm Yancey Wilkinson, and you're listening to The Open Road. Life is just a lonely highway. I'm out here on the open road. Old enough to see behind me Young enough to feel my soul I don't want to lose you, baby I don't want to be alone want to live my days without you But now I got to be without you Got a pocket full of money And a pocket full of keys that have no bounds But then I think of loving And I just can't get you off of my mind Yeah Baby, can't you see
And the do's and don'ts 